Welcome to the Temple Forum, a podcast from First United Methodist Church in the heart of Chicago. Here we welcome a diversity of voices and conversation about how we live in the world as people of faith. Hello, I'm Jan Engmeyer. We seem to be living in particularly troubled times with the rights of certain segments of our population being taken away. For example, reproductive health care for women and a slew of record-breaking anti-LGBTQ plus efforts in state legislatures across the country that are targeting transgender people's rights. On this installment of the Temple Forum, we welcome Reverend M. Jade Kaiser, the co-founder and co-director of Enfleshed. They are the first non-binary transgender deacon in the United Methodist Church who has focused their work in the intersection of faith and social justice. Welcome to the Temple Forum. We are so glad to have you with us. Thank you so much. It's a delight to be here. Well, unfortunately, we're going to start out with this report that found 16 states currently ban or restrict best practices medical care for transgender youth. Some states are also limiting care for transgender adults. What's alarming is that this is pretty new. According to this report, prior to 2021, no states banned medical care for transgender youth. And in a lot of these states, these kind of laws disproportionately affect transgender people of color. And there are the bathroom bills that require people to use the restroom of their birth gender. And the U.S. House Republicans passed a bill that would effectively ban transgender women and girls from participating in school sports. We're hearing reports of doctors who are treating transgender persons are being attacked and they're being told that their work is opposing God. What is your sense of why all this is happening now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, There's a lot of different answers uh, that I feel uh, apply to that question, but for me, the the most sort of obvious one is just the way that trans people are the the wedge issue of this era. Uh, and so um, just as we've seen many different communities, especially racial communities, uh, being used as wedges between uh, voters, we're seeing that in this particular time um, as people make up problems that don't exist. Um, you know, the fear of uh, meeting a trans woman in the bathroom uh, is used to, you know, nurture fear all across the country when there are no reports of trans women attacking cis women in restrooms. And there are so many reports of cis women uh, either attacking trans women and other trans people in restrooms or calling on other people to come do that um, attacking. Uh, and so we're seeing that from, you know, a wide variety of angles in terms of talking about children being at risk um, because of trans rights. It is not, it is it is people creating false, uh, false narratives of, of problems. Um, and like every group that gets targeted as a wedge issue, uh, it just hurts us. Um, it hurts us and uh, makes vulnerable communities more vulnerable. Uh, I, I believe it was Mike Pence who um, uh, has shared that his campaign uh, will orient around 
not only, but definitely significantly um, sort of disrupting trans rights. Um, and I think we have a, a lot of reason to believe this next presidential election cycle will significantly revolve around this, this matter. Oh boy, can't wait for more nasty political I campaigns, know. right? So I what know. can we do to help mm. fight this discrimination? And, and how do we better support young people or really people of any age who are on this journey of discernment, trying to be the person they want to be, who they are meant to be, um, so that they can live full and enjoyable lives. Yeah, yeah, so many different things. <laughs> uh, folks can do so many different things. One is is giving to resources, giving to organizations that are trans-led that are doing that direct work. Um, uh, every single state has multiple organizations and groups uh, doing that work. And so giving resources is giving time, uh, giving support of all kinds to those groups really makes a significant impact right now. Um, I think for a lot of uh, Christians, there's a significant opportunity to be talking to other Christians about how supporting trans people is in alignment with one's own faith. Um, of course, there all of the backing for um, these anti-trans laws is connected to bad Christian theology. Um, and so I think for other Christians to, to, to know that and to really take in that, like, okay, if I am, if I am preaching the same religion, then it is part of my responsibility as a practitioner of this faith to re, uh, to, to correct the misunderstanding that God is opposed to trans people thriving, that God is opposed to little trans children being their best selves. That is our responsibility if we are a part of the Christian faith. Um, and so I think bringing that to one's faith community, making sure that one's church is having the conversation, uh, bringing it to fellow family members and friends who might share uh, some aspects of one's faith um, and starting that conversation, taking that responsibility. Um, yeah, speaking up in public. Uh, if you have young kids who are a part of a K through 12 school, like making sure, you know, you're aware of what's going on policy wise and resource wise in your kids community, whether you have trans kids or cis kids, as far as you know, um, you know, really taking on this as everyone's um, both problem in terms of disrupting the the violence that's happening, but also possibility and that we can every single person can grow and benefit uh, from what trans people have to share with the world. So you founded an organization called Enfleshed. Mm -hmm. How did it come to be? Uh, what's its mission? Um, mm -hmm. On the website, I was looking at the enfleshed.com website, and it states that Enfleshed creates and facilitates spiritual resources for collective liberation. What does that mean? Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you for it. Uh, so I, for me, uh, collective liberation is about recognizing that all of us um, across our different, uh, many, many different contexts um, and communities and identities, we all have a, a reason to be seeking liberation in the world, um, whether that's those of us who are white trying to unlearn uh, the damages of white supremacy, both to our siblings of color, but also in our own lives. 
um, uh, to trans people longing for a world uh, that is not just about being included in structures that um, aren't made for us, but is about our getting to shape uh, the world we live in directly um, uh, to, you know, looking at the way that the, the earth is unwell uh, because of our human doing, capitalist doing, um, how all of those go together. There is no addressing one of those realities without it brushing up against the others. Um, and so we really try to do spiritual and theological and community work that that helps all of us to deepen into a future where we're all free because if we're not working for that together, um, it's, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> we have to come together in the, the future that we want because we're all either a part of it or not. Um, so your organization is based in Iowa. Uh, why did you choose Iowa City? Uh, so Iowa City chose us <laughs> in a way. <laughs> uh, so my partner, Anna Bladel, who is um, uh, also a queer minister, uh, at, they lived in Iowa City when we started. I didn't. I was living in Chicago at the time, uh, but we were already dating for um, for a while when we launched In Flesh Together. And so um, my personal move to Iowa City was because that's where my lover lives. <laughs> well, that's nice. You also had some information on your website about um, the land there yeah. in Iowa yeah. and and. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So um, definitely uh, part of that seeking collective liberation that we believe in is connected to um, recognizing and repenting and repairing uh, the the ways in which uh, those of us who are white um, have landed on the soil that is stolen from, from communities. And so the land that I live on currently was once occupied by uh, the Iowa and Oto, Meskwaki and Sauk people. Um, and that shapes my own ongoing relationship to uh, the place that I live in, the, the way that I relate to creatures here, the way that I relate to, relate to history here, the way that um, my longings for the future is shaped are all connected to what has happened here. Why did it happen? Um, what damage has been done and what possibilities exist for us to do things differently going forward. Um, that all shapes the work that I do that shapes um, my understanding of God, all of it, it's inseparable. Um, and you know, so many of us have been shaped by the idea that uh, we have zero connection to the earth in any any particular way. We are above it. We are not of it. Um, and indigenous folks um, have a very different history and cosmology to to share with us that um, calls us to a better way. And I I feel my own ongoing learning in that direction for sure. Thank you. Yeah, it's very nice. So you made big news a few years ago when you were ordained as a deacon in the United Methodist Church. I know you spent a few years with the Reconciling Ministries Network, which is the unofficial arm of the UMC, fighting for uh, full inclusion for all in the life and ministries of the church. Um, I am guessing most listeners know that um, some of the more conservative or most conservative congregations are disaffiliating from the United Methodist Church over the full inclusion of LGBTQ plus persons in the ministries of the church. 
although that's not official yet uh, until the general conference meets in 2024. are you still affiliated with the United Methodist Church? And what are your thoughts on our current sad environment? <laughs> <laughs> well, you put it well. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts and and you can cut me off if I get too 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 lengthy in them. Um, but but to use your word, I am very sad about the the current situation. Um I am I am still affiliated with the United Methodist Church. I am still a deacon in the United Methodist Church. Um, and every single day, um, I am in discernment about whether that should remain the case. Um, I I do not believe that General Conference 2024 uh, remotely guarantees a change in policy uh, towards LGBTQ people. Um, I, I hope that for the world, because I do believe every single day that that book goes unchanged contributes to the ongoing violence against queer people within and outside the church. Um, and so, uh, I, I long for the day that that changes. Um, but I do not, I do not feel we have the privilege of assuming that will happen. Um, and I, I long to see, uh, not only uh, uh, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of uh, feelings oriented around those leaving, um, but where my heart is, what I wish to see is a lot more feelings about those who are affected by what what's happening um, through the church ongoingly. Um, and so without, uh, you know, as all this legislation uh, across the country is just thriving, um, as my partner says, you know, as folks escalate violence, we must escalate care. And I'm not seeing the escalation of care in the denomination uh, for LGBTQ people. Uh, and so uh, that grieves me deeply. Um, and certainly there are faithful people <laughs> in local congregations all across the country and beyond who absolutely are participating in the escalation of care, uh, but did not as a denominational body that is absolutely not happening. Uh, and that that leaves me uh, every day in a questionable state about my own integrity as um, one who is ordained under this denominational body. Uh, and so I am ongoingly in discernment about how to um, how to faithfully pursue um, God's call on me uh, and God's call on us uh, in these in these times where um, I am far more concerned with the well-being of black and queer and indigenous people and the creatures of the land than I am the fate of uh, an institution uh, and that's um, yeah so that I'm not sure where that's leading but um, you know today here I am yeah right and I think that uh many of us in the United Methodist Church are in the same period of discernment and have been kind of stuck in that limbo for a while. Um, How do you see Jesus Christ in today's Mm. world? Mm. Like where do I recognize Christ in the world? Yeah, and get, and what role, you know, as you say, you can't, we don't worship an institution. That's right, that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see Christ in, you know, I, I don't remember if you said it on the podcast or just before we were talking, but as you mentioned, like doctors are being targeted uh, for treating 
uh, trans children with affirming medical care. Uh, I see Christ there. Uh, I see Christ uh, similarly in those who are rising to the occasion of providing reproductive justice and reproductive services to people despite the threat. Um, I see Christ in, uh, I love, I, I, I find so hopeful uh, anytime different folks of different backgrounds come together with a shared interest, um, with a shared passion uh, to fight for each other. Um, to recognize that there is no trans justice without black justice. And so what what are the coalitions we can form together and act out of together because our futures are inseparable? Um, anytime that happens, which is a matter of relational building, is a matter of sharing resources, is a matter of learning from each other, is a matter of eating together, you know, beautiful things happening. Um, those definitely feel like sites of Christ to me. Um, people still wearing their masks in the world because they're immunocompromised people and COVID is not gone, um, to me is absolutely the most simple act of Christ um, in a world where the, the dominant view is that that's not necessary because those people don't matter. Um, there's, you know, things that are so small like that, um, to people putting literally their life on the line because they know providing medical care to trans kids is the right thing to do. Yeah. Is there anything else that you'd like to add that we mm. haven't covered? Mm. A final word? Mm. I really believe that God has given us all the capacity to be brave. Um, and I think for a lot of us, that is a muscle that um, we need to practice. That is a muscle we need to exercise. That is a muscle that we have uh, not been um, thoroughly encouraged to believe is true we have within us. Um, these days before us hold so much possibility for good but that in, depends entirely on our individually and collectively acting on the courage God has given us. Um, and so I guess just a, just a word of encouragement that you are brave and you can be brave and you can do brave things in the world. And we need you and everyone listening to be uh, brave in the directions of love and liberation. Um, and it's really possible. <laughs> It is. Yeah. And there's a double commandment that goes with that, right? Mm -hmm. Love God, mm -hmm. love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. Our thanks to Reverend M. Jade Kaiser from Enfleshed for talking with us. I'm Jan Engmeyer. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Temple Forum. You've been listening to the Temple Forum from First United Methodist Church in Chicago. You can find more conversations like this online at chicagotemple.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Please join us again soon.